Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. New is awesome. Maybe you got that new iPhone for Christmas. Praise the Lord. Come on. Get that Holy Spirit dance, you know. Or maybe, you know, I mean, we, we love new, don't we? Anybody seen the new Spider-Man? Uh, we're always like, when is the next new one coming out? There's always something new. New is awesome because it's new. <laughs> we love new. It's awesome. Uh, you know, new things bring new things into our lives, a new season, a fresh start. And, you know, that's why I think so many people love the new year because it's kind of this moment to kind of, okay, I'm going to try again. I'm going to have New Year's resolutions. You know, I don't, and resolutions are fine, but they don't last. But decisions last, right? Decisions of who I decide I'm going to be. You know, as good as new things are, as good and as fun as the new year is, not every moment, not every new moment is an equal opportunity moment. There's some things that are new, like a movie, and it's just new for a moment, or technology that's new for a moment. But I believe that God orchestrates and brings us into new opportune moments on purpose, for His purpose. But not every moment is an equal opportunity moment. Some moments are greater than others. Some moments are moments for change, and some moments are opportunities for miracles. Not every opportunity is the same, but I believe God brings us into seasons of new beginnings. Let me show you in, his, in the Word, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. He's, God is speaking, and He says this. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Right? He says, now it springs up. It's not some distant, maybe one day. He says, now. It's springing up right now. Do you not perceive it? So evidently, we can miss the new beginning God wants to bring our way. He's doing the new thing, and he's asking us, can you recognize it? Can you see that I'm doing something new? He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So maybe 2021 was a wilderness season for you or things just seem wasted. God never wastes anything. God is saying, I'm doing something new. I can bring some provision out of nowhere, something into your life. So I want to ask a couple questions today is what are the new beginnings in your life right now? And how are we responding to these moments? What are the new beginnings God is bringing to your life, and how do we see them? We know as a church, we're in a season of new beginnings. As a family, come on, we're heading into a a new season. It's a new beginning that God is bringing us to this place. It's not just a new location. It's not just a new service time. It is a new beginning where we have the opportunity to reach people like never before. And so I'm so excited for that. You know, we'll be there. It's going to be awesome. And I encourage you, uh, invite, invite, invite this week. Come on, when you came in, there were some invite cards on your chair. They look like this. You can grab those. They've got more in the back. Use these this week. Invite people you know to come to church. It's going to be awesome, right? We're in a season of new beginnings, but I believe God also brings our lives, brings our families to seasons of new beginnings. And it's up to us to discover them, to perceive them, so that we can maximize what God wants to do. Amen? Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 37, Jesus is he's traveling around. He says, When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples 
began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. They're being a little too loud. The disciples are like, it might get loud when I praise the Lord, and I'm sorry about that, but I just can't help it. Come on, that's why we get a little rowdy when we worship and when we praise, right? And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, these stones will cry out. Like, God will be praised. It's our job to do it, and if we won't do it, he'll find something that will. I just decided I'm going to praise the Lord with all that I got. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, Jerusalem, had only known on this day what, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So God was trying to bring them a new beginning, and they didn't recognize it. He said, and consequently, it was hidden from them. The days will come upon you, and he's speaking to Jerusalem, when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on, the, uh, on another. That's severe, but check out why he says this. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So God was bringing them a new beginning. God was bringing them into a season, but they didn't recognize what God was doing. So the question then comes to us. If we don't recognize what God is doing, could it be that Jesus is weeping over us saying you're going to miss out and experience lack and all this stuff because you didn't recognize the season God wanted to bring you into? You didn't recognize what God was doing. I mean, that phrase for me, he says, that you didn't recognize God's coming to you. Man, that was, it's a wake-up call for us. It's a wake-up call to understand the spiritual principle that there are specific marked times in God's timing for miracles and breakthrough. We don't get to choose when the miracle or the breakthrough comes. We just get to participate in the process. God is the one who ordains those things, and he's saying, I'm doing something new. Can you recognize it? Come on, look at somebody sitting beside you and say, can you recognize it? Today, that's what I want to talk about is how do we recognize new beginnings that God brings our way so that we can maximize those moments, so we can be effective. Because I don't know about y'all, I don't want to miss out what God wants to do. I don't want to miss out on my assignment. I want to be part of the move of God on this earth. I want to get, you know, when I leave this earth and I've lived my life and I stand before Christ, I want to hear those words. And honestly, my prayer for each and every one of us that we would all hear those words when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on. So today I want to talk about this. How do we recognize new beginnings and how do we respond in those moments? So if you're taking notes, hopefully you'll write these down. The first one is this. If you want to recognize and respond to a new beginning, we need to change our view. We need to change our view because sometimes we're going through life. We get in a season that we've been in and we kind of like it. We get used to some things, you know, and, 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 and when things, when God brings us to a new beginning, things change. Things are different. And I would just tell you this, is that I've learned in my life that when God brings me into a new season, there's a new beginning, it always costs more than the previous season. It requires more of me. It requires me to sacrifice some things, to change some priorities in my life. If you really want to move into a new season, a new beginning, it's going to take some readjustment in your life. There's going to be something more that God requires of us in that new season, but it's never just to take something from you. It's always to produce more of His Spirit in you. 
Come on. So we have to change our view because I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes we get in a place that we like and we get comfortable and then we don't want to change. We like how things are. We like the way things have been, you know, and we want to stay there like, oh, it doesn't have to change. That would be so much harder. Why don't we just stay in this place? And we think that if some things change or we have to grow or we do new things, then, man, I just don't know about that. And we get this view sometimes of this new beginning that is kind of like, no, I don't think so. But if we really want to move into a new beginning, we've got to change our view of what it is God is bringing us into. Let me say it this way. You can never underestimate what God can do with just a handful of people who are sold out to the vision, the mission of Jesus. can change the world. Jesus did it with 12. There's more than 12 in this room. They turned the world upside down, those 12. Those actually 11. Jesus had 12, and one of them was a devil. <laughs> you know, like, don't be looking around and be like, Pastor's talking about you today. But just rest assured, around people who follow Jesus, there's going to be a Judas. There's going to be somebody. Come on. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about anybody, but it's just reality. It's just a good place to recognize that everyone who's in church is not as spiritual as you. I know you're like at some extra high spiritual level over everybody else. Come on. But everybody's at a different place than us, you know, and we just have to realize, like, let's just stop expecting everybody to be perfect and just start loving people. Like, I don't care where you were last night. You're here right now. I think God feels that way, too, you know. But we just have to change our view sometimes of some things. Sometimes we count um, size and smallness in the same realm as effectiveness or ability. But God doesn't count uh, size and smallness with effectiveness or ability or potential. God counts things a little different way. Uh, in John chapter 6, we see an example of that story. Jesus uh, has, there's thousands of people around Jesus. It says 5,000 men plus the women and the children. So there's thousands of people near Jesus. The day is ending and there's no food. And Jesus looks at the 12 disciples and says, feed the people. Well, they got nothing. They don't have the money. They don't have the food. They don't have the resource. And they reply with what many of us reply with when God says, hey, I want you to serve. I want you to give. I want you to do more than what you are capable or what you think you have. And they're like, Jesus, we can't do that. Why would you ask me to do that? Ask somebody else. All the disciples see is the lack. Their view is they're not enough. They don't have what it takes. And Jesus is looking at them and be like, you are the ones that need to feed the people, right? And uh, uh, Andrew, one of the, the disciples, he sees a, a little boy with a, a basket you know, of the fish and the loaves. And, and he says in, in verse 8, he says, how far will this go among so many? Can you see his view? His view is this, we, don't, we, we can't do this. We don't have it. And so we know the rest of the story. Jesus took that little small lunch and he fed the, the 5,000 men and all the women and all the children and there was leftovers. Sometimes to, to step into a new beginning, we've got to change our view and stop looking at the lack, stop looking at the deficiency, stop looking at the busyness that we've applied to our lives and start changing our view of some things. Realize that God has more before us and there's always people that are affected when we step into a new beginning. Let me show you another place where God judges things differently than we do. What about the Apostle Paul? 
<laughs> people saw the Apostle Paul and they saw a, um, you know, a, a guy, a terrorist going around killing and imprisoning Christians. That's what we would call a person like that, um, right? He's, he's, he got permission from the, the, the rulers of the day to travel to other cities and imprison and kill Christians in other places. But God didn't see that. God saw someone who would be the very first church planner, the very first mobile church guy who would travel around the world, write two-thirds of the New Testament, and, and preach the gospel to people who weren't Jews. So God doesn't judge effectiveness and potential and ability based on size or smallness. He, he judges it based on surrender. Surrender. Do we surrender to his will, right? You know, so we often judge things based on do we feel overlooked? Do we feel discarded? Do we feel undervalued? And God looks at all those things not as obstacles but as vital components, because I've just found that God loves to use people who think they're not good enough. Look at Gideon. Come on, you can read through the whole Bible and see a list of people who thought they weren't good enough, who didn't, didn't fit the mold. David didn't look like all the other kings. You know, like it's just God just loves to use people who will say, okay, God, whatever you have for me in this new season, I'll, I will step into it. I love uh, this. It's the spiritual principle. It's found in Zechariah. It's in the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 10. Um, it kind of gives us a spiritual principle about how God looks at things, how God's view of things is. So in this passage of Scripture, in this book, what's happening is that the, the original temple that King Solomon had built has been destroyed. It was burned to the ground. And the, uh, after a long period of time, the children of Israel come back to Jerusalem and they decide, we're going to rebuild the temple. And it's taking a long time. It's not going super well. There apparently was a lot of comparison between the old temple and what they were doing now, you know, of course, none of that exists today, right? Like, well, things were just better back then. If we just stayed in this place, then things would be easier or whatever, right? Like, apparently there was comparison. And then God speaks to Zechariah and he says this. He says, do not despise small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So God apparently is not interested in if it's small or large, but is the work being done? Is something taking place? Are things advancing? There's a new beginning. Are you walking into it regardless of the size? Come on, tell somebody sitting beside you, say small beginnings. Small beginnings. It's, it's in this place that God is speaking to his people and he's like, hey, stop comparing. Stop wishing for the good old days. Stop looking back and despising something that I put my spirit and my power behind. Because a couple of verses before that, he says, this work is going to take place and it's not going to be because of you. It's going to be because my spirit is behind it, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So when God is in something, we can't stop it. We can be a part of it or we can miss out. Um, I went to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, the guy who started that school, his name was Oral Roberts, <laughs> you know, and uh, if you don't know who he is, he was a, a great general in the faith, and he, in, in the 50s and 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, had a great healing ministry. They say that he traveled the world and laid his hands on and prayed for healing for over a million people personally, uh, and saw many, many miracles taking place, but uh, there was this point where God spoke to him, and he said, hey, I want you to go to Tulsa, I want you to build a university. I want you to build on my authority. Or Roberts didn't have the training. Uh, he didn't have the degrees. He didn't have the connections. And most importantly, he didn't have the money to do that. How many of you know if you want to build a college, you need some money. You need some cash. <laughs> and uh, so um, Oral Roberts asked God this question, God, why are you asking me? 
I, I don't have what it takes. And God said, well, I asked six others, and they all said no. Or Robert said, sure, if you'll provide, I'll do whatever you lead me to. And Or Roberts today at university has graduated thousands of people and have sent people all around the world preaching the gospel, bringing light into places that are dim. Come on. God is not looking for the most qualified or the most degrees on your wall. God is looking for those who will say yes, those who are surrendered, who will change their view of some things that maybe look hard, that look impossible, because nothing is impossible with God. When God says, hey, I want you to walk into this place, I want you to, uh, to go into this place, I want you to move to a high school, right? Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Like if we'll change our view of some things, we'll see God do great things. In fact, when the, as God is speaking um, in this chapter of Zechariah 4, he says, And when the temple is completed, there will be shouts of grace. In other words, people in the whole area will give praise to God. They will see what God has done in that place. People will be drawn to God when, people, when we walk into a new season. Isn't that amazing? When we're willing to change our view of some things, people give glory to God. It's just that our spiritual enemy, the devil, one of his main tactics is to get us comparing comparing the past, what we've been in, to what God is calling us into in the future. Well, you don't have enough. See, if, if you were just more like them, then you could do this. If you could, you know, I'm, I've dealt with that in my life. If you could preach better, then you could probably, you know, whatever. Or if you could just, whatever. Like, there's this thing of comparison that our, these, our, the devil wants to get us into because if he can get us stuck in comparing things, he, he knows it will lead to destruction. It'll lead to a place of destruction. We will miss out on what God is doing, right? Um, I just believe that, you know, it's in this new season, new beginnings just have to get us to change our view. It's not about the past. God is saying, I'm doing something new. I want to lead you to a new place, right? Here's the second thing. If we're going to see, if we're going to perceive new beginnings, if we're going to maximize these moments, we've got to see with eyes of faith. Number two, we've got to see with eyes of faith. So when we're looking with eyes of faith at something that looks impossible, we can have joy. We can have peace because we know that God's Spirit is behind it. See, sometimes we can look at something when God leads us into a new beginning or into a new season or He calls us to do something we feel like we can't, right? Or there's a difficult season and we can look at something and we can despise it. Like, oh, or we can dread it. We can look at something and complain about it, hate on it, gossip about it, whatever. We can look at things any way we want or we can choose to look at it through eyes of faith. Come on, eyes of faith. We can look at things the same way the Lord does. And what did the Lord see? He saw that the work had begun. Why do you think he rejoiced because the work had been done? I believe he was seeing the people's faith, right? Because faith without works is dead. God says, I rejoice because I see the work has begun. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Something about getting to work in a new season, doing, making things happen, serving and loving and being part that God rejoices over because it is our faith in action. So when you see the obstacle, when you see the, the problem, when you see the hard in that season ahead of you, what do you see? Do you just see the hard? Do you see the thing? You know, I, I don't believe it's bad or wrong to see the obstacle. I don't believe it's bad to say, oh, there's going <laughs> to be a cost ahead of us because it's there. There is usually in a new season a cost. There is an obstacle. Many times there's a diagnosis. There is a lack. Sometimes you don't have the finances. It's not a problem to say, this is really there, but my faith is in God. 
If God gave you the word, then he's going to come through. So I'm going to recognize that's there because I need to know there's an enemy that I've called to be a conqueror over. Come on, somebody. I'm just going to set my faith not on the, the, the problem. My faith is then set upon God and his word and his promises. The problem is, is that too often we look at the lack, the deficiency, the problem as the thing that will not move, as the immovable, rather than letting our faith be the thing that will not move. Too often we just get it backwards. Come on. But I believe this is a season. In a new beginning, we've got to see with the eyes of faith. And I believe this is a season God is calling his people, his church, back to a place of immovable faith. And it doesn't have to be a lot. Jesus said with the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. So what mountains are in your, in your life? What mountains are staring you down in, in your health or in your finances or in your family or in whatever? Right? There's things that are movable, that are temporary, and there's things in us, our faith, God's word, those things never change. They are the unmovable. You know, during um, this pandemic, um, the school we were in shut down. We couldn't have services in there. And, um, you know, I began to look for places to have services again in person and um, didn't have much success in finding a place. And so when God spoke to me, he said, hey, I want you to start with what you have. You know, I had a long conversation with God, basically like, I got nothing. And he said, yes, you do. You have the team center. And I said, God, I have nothing. And he said, yes, you do. You have the team center. <laughs> you know, and so finally I had to get myself to the point, okay, we're going to have services in the team center. And so we put 30 chairs out, praise the Lord, you know. And it's like, we're going to start with what we have. And from day one, I told everybody, it's like, this is a temporary uh, place. This is not a permanent solution. Come on. That was from day one what we talked about. This was, this was a temporary solution. And I continued looking for a larger space for us um, just because, man, I believe that God doesn't want us to just stay confined, that God has more for us. There's more people in our city to reach. There's more he wants us to do, and it's going to require more than 1,200 square feet. You know what I'm saying? Anybody say amen? Come on. And so I began looking, and um, honestly, if I, if, you know, really honestly, I had no desire to go back to the schools. <laughs> I just didn't. I was, I was like, you can ask Heather. I was like, I'm done. I am not renting a school. I'm not doing set up and tear down again. Like, we out, baby, because this is nice. I come in on a Sunday, and I'm showered, and I smell good. I haven't been sweating. Didn't have to get up early, you know. I didn't have to set, run cords and move cases and back trailers up. And, and then at the end of the day, I just get to leave and go to lunch. Come on, this is nice. You know what I'm saying? And, and I've enjoyed it. You know, I think our team has too. We've been like, oh, this is a lot easier. And, but God didn't call us to easier. He didn't call us to easier. He said, take up your cross and follow me. He, did, he called us to a life of surrender. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I was, but in my heart, that's where I was. So I was calling every facility, anywhere there was a sign, anywhere it looked like a business was going out of business, I was calling on it. And I just, I just got really good at hearing the word no. Everybody was like, no, we don't want you, you know, or whatever. Just, I just got a lot of doors closed in my face. Um, uh, I, a lot of these uh, commercial realtors will know my number now because I called multiple times. And every time they told me no until they stopped answering my calls. You know, and 
it was exciting, and I was really starting to get discouraged. And through this season, though, in this last year, God brought an opportunity to our, uh, just dropped it in my lap. And I've just discovered in my life that most of the time when God brings a new beginning, it comes out of the unexpected. When I finally stop trying to do my way, and I say, okay, God, I, I don't know what else to do. Will you, will you move in my life? When I finally will surrender enough to say, God, what do you want? I find that the answers start popping in my lap. And so I had this opportunity come my way for a turnkey um, facility that had been a church, was all set up to go. Like we could have walked in two weeks after we signed the lease and had a service there. It was going to be awesome. The only problem was it was uh, multiple times higher than what our budget was just to pay for the rent. And so it's like... Thanks, Lord. You know, and so after praying about it, talking with our, our, um, our, my overseers and our leaders at the church, I felt like I'm going to put an offer in anyway at the level we can handle. And what all they can tell me is no again. I'm used to that. So, you know, I, I put the offer in. We didn't get it. But through that process, what happened is it opened another door. Sometimes you just got to be willing to walk through the doors God puts in front of you. And it opened the door when I found out that we didn't get the building, I called the pastor who did, just congratulated him, I prayed with him, and I let him know that at Victory, we were going to be those that were cheering them on, that we were going to be those that were praying for them to succeed. I'm not in competition with other churches. We're all in this together. And so I just encourage you, when you see other churches, like we're going to be those, we're cheering them on. Praise God. We're thankful for other churches. And, and so, I, you know, I, I talked with him. And then and in the same conversation, in a moment of boldness, and, and, and uh, I just asked him, I was like, would you connect me with the, your contacts at Timber Creek? And then I realized what I said. <laughs> and he was like, sure. So sure enough, he, he, he sent me the contact information, but he said, I'm going to go a step further. And I, when I meet with them, I'm going to recommend you guys. Um, and so he sure enough did. And I was able to meet with the administrators at the school and get everything arranged. And we know we're starting services next there next week, 1030 a.m. Come on, we're super thankful. But I had to get myself, change my view of the situation. I had to get myself because I was, I'm telling you, all like I was not going back to the schools. And even in, in, in talking with our overseers, they're like, well, are you open to going back to the schools? Nope. <laughs> oh, isn't God good? Amen. God is so good. He's so gracious to us to, to lead us in exactly the way that we need it, to give us exactly what we need to get us to the place, even when we're the thing that needs to change. God is so good. And so, but I had to get myself, change my view of the situation or I would have missed this new beginning. Because this is just, um, the, the story is longer than I have time to tell today. Just miracle after miracle after miracle taking place. It, the, ne you know, the next part of the story is after, after we got things confirmed with the school, I get a call from the, the, this, this other pastor, and he was like, hey, um, I've, I want to give you all of our equipment and three trailers. Is that helpful to you? <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. It's not every day another church in your city that's within two miles of you wants to help advance your church instead of his. Come on, it's a miracle. And so we're praising God. But had I not changed my view, had I not been willing to say, God, maybe I got this wrong and you got this right, we could have missed a new beginning. We could have missed out on supernatural provision 
had, we, had I not been willing to change my view. Sometimes if we're going to step into a new beginning, it's going to require us to change our view. Even, even changing our view of what it means on a Sunday, of setting things up and all that kind of stuff again. Yeah, things are going to be different. Things are going to require more effort. It's going to require more of us than it does here. Because here we can do some things with a few. But moving there in a big facility is going to require more of us because a few ain't going to cut it. There's going to be holes. We need you. We need you. Come on. God, God is moving. We've got to be willing to change and see with eyes of faith what God is doing, even in the realm of finances, because renting a high school costs a lot more than renting this room. Come on. Like, it requires us to see with eyes of faith. But here's what faith does. I can look back on the faithfulness of God. And know that God has spoken to me. God has confirmed it. God has been providing every step of the way. Because where God guides, He provides. So if He's providing for you, He's provided for you all the other steps, why would He stop? He's going to continue to provide for you. And if you want to know where God is leading you, follow His provision in your life. Come on, we've got to begin to see with eyes of faith. Even if you don't have the provision yet, the last step God provided, He's probably going to provide the next step. And the next, but, I, but I've got to see it with eyes of faith. If all I see is the lack, then I'm probably not going to take the step. How are we going to pay for the school? I, I just don't know. It's going to require so much more of us. It's going to, it's going to stretch our budgets to the max. God, I, what, if, what if we crash and burn? What if we fail? This is my, my mental process through this, right? Because the enemy comes at all of us with our thoughts. Make no mistake. You step into a new beginning, the enemy is coming at you in your thoughts. And you got to be ready with your weapon you got to be ready to win the battle here or it ain't going to happen anywhere else. I mean, that's why every time the thoughts come at me, I just got to start telling myself my trust is in the Lord. God has provided. He is my provider. God cares about this church way more than I do. It's His church. It's not even mine. It's not yours. It's His. We're part of His body, His family. Of course He's going to provide. right? But we have to be willing to see with eyes of faith. So... We're going to continue to talk about buildings. We're going to continue. I believe we're going to have our own one day. We're going to continue saving for it. We're going to continue giving towards it, right? Uh, I'm, but right now, we're in the perfect building that God has for us. So I'm not going to sit here and wait for wishful thinking for one day when we have our own place. Then we can finally do some great things. Because then I'll miss out on this new beginning that God wants to bring us through to prepare us for the thing that he has for us in the future. I'm not going to wait to preach my best sermon until I have my own building and my own stage. I'm going to study every week. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, work hard and learn and get better and preach the best sermon I have every Sunday. I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to do the best I have. Not, like I've got to see where I am with eyes of faith that God has provided and brought me here. So thank you, God, for choosing me. Not everybody gets to do what we do. Not everybody gets to be part of this. Thank you, God. For the privilege to be in this house, to be on this team. This is a new beginning for our church in our lives. I believe God is going to bring some things into your life, some new beginnings. We've got to begin to perceive. We've got to begin to see with eyes of faith. So today, I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up out of the minors. Coming up to the big leagues. I'm calling you up out of some comfortable places. I'm calling you up out of some things we've settled into. I'm calling you up out of complaining. Comparing, gossiping, I'm calling you up out of some places where we've settled down and like, this is good enough. No, as long as people matter to God, they matter to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So don't ever get near me and say, the church is getting too big. No. As long as there's one person who doesn't know Jesus, the church is not too big. Because I can connect with people in any size room. I don't complain about Walmart that it's too big. I don't complain that they weren't nice enough to me there or that Target is getting too big. No, but for some reason, then when I come to church, oh, this place is too big. No, you can be unconnected in a church of 10. It's all about your willingness to connect with somebody else. Get in a group. Get on a team. Be connected to the family. Be part of what God is doing. I'm calling us up out of some places where we've made excuses. You know, sometimes people are like, they complain about their life and the place they're in. But then when you extend the help, they don't really want the help because they actually like the place they're in. Because it's easier than going through the new beginning and the hard of changing things. So really, it's not the, not the better life that they want. It's not the significant life. They like the way things are. And I'm calling us up out of some excuses we've made, blaming God that we're not more blessed or that whatever, while we actually like the low place we've been. Come on, it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up, to grab a hold of purpose and vision that God has called us to. And so, man, it's time to rise up. A few bold people of faith can change our city. Jesus did it with 12. We're talking, about, um, we're talking about how to recognize and respond to new beginnings. Number one, change our view. Number two, see with eyes of faith. Here's the last one today. If we're going to see new beginnings and respond to them, we've got to get refocused. We've got to get refocused. Um, getting refocused to the things of God in our life. If we're going to respond to a season that God brings us, We've got to be more focused on what God is doing and less focused on other things, right? It's a, it's a new beginning. It's, it's a new year. So what if we got refocused on our marriage, got our marriage getting more godly? Single people, what if we got refocused in this year on becoming more of the person we want our future spouse to be, becoming more godly? What if we got refocused on our families and on our, our kids? We got refocused on our purity. Come on. We got refocused on some of the things we've been watching and listening to that have polluted our purity, right? What if we got refocused on our faith and refocused on how and where we spend our time, our energy, and our finances? A new beginning requires us to get refocused if we're going to be effective because anybody can wander into something, but they'll just end up wherever. I don't want to just end up wherever. I want to end up where God is leading me. And so it's going to require me to then be focused on, God, where are you leading me? God said to Abram, I want you to go to a place I will show you. And he did. He left everything behind and got focused on where God was leading him to. And the same is required of us. If we want to go into a new season, we're going to have to be refocused on surrender to where God is leading to us, to going all in. I call it going all in, surrender with God. It's just that most people, they can't figure out why they're struggling in their relationship with God because they've gone all in with other things. They've gone all in on their schedule with something else or all in on their finances with something else or their life. And then they can't understand why it's hard to hear God. They don't always feel Him. It's because they haven't gone all in with God. They, they, they focused their lives on something else. And the reality is, is that even, even when you're trying to get refocused, there's going to be distractions. And that's why we have to be willing to change something. I don't know about y'all, but what happens so often in my time with God is that then even if I put my phone on silent, right, it's still buzzing. <laughs> it's, it's that thing over in the... 
over in the corner shaking. Even if you put it on do not disturb, there's still that thing in the back of your mind. Somebody's emailing me right now. What if somebody texts me and I don't know about it? What if something changes on Facebook or whatever? You know, <laughs> anybody else or it's just, just me? Okay, a few honest people in the house. Thank you. You know, the reality is trying to focus on everything will result in a focus on nothing. It's like writing that email in all caps because you want to emphasize this part and, and then nothing is, or you bold the whole email because you want to emphasize it all and then what happens is that nothing becomes emphasized. A focus on everything equals a focus on nothing. So we're going to have to choose what we focus our lives on. Some people have focused their lives on a fence. Some people have focused their lives on like Burger King, my way, right away. Some people have focused their lives on sports or this or making sure their kids do everything so that they keep up with the Joneses. And some people have focused their lives on the things of God. And I'm just thankful to be surrounded by a bunch of people who have focused their lives on being on the things of God. We've got to refocus our lives on the things that really matter because this life is short. I mean, yesterday I was 22. <laughs> Didn't it feel that way? Come on. Uh, today I'm 44. I don't know where it went. I don't know what happened. Life is so short. Life is so short. John chapter 4, uh, Jesus, he's on traveling again, comes to a town. He's tired, hungry, a little hangry, and he sits down outside of the town next to a well, and there just happens to be a woman there drawing water out of the well. Jesus' disciples go into the town to find a Chick-fil-A and so they can get some food. <laughs> Expanding a little bit. PCV version, Pastor Chris version. He, so he's sitting at this well. This, this woman, the Bible designates her as a Samaritan woman, which was a different ethnicity, a different culture than Jesus, who was Jewish. She's drawing water, and Jesus strikes up a conversation with this woman. The thing you need to know is that was not okay in this day and time. Jew, Jewish people and Samaritan people were by law to have nothing to do with each other. They weren't supposed to be around each other. So there was cultural hatred and racism, much like in our world today. It's nothing new. The devil has the same tactics he had since the beginning, right? He brings division among people based on how we are on the outside. But God brings people together in a beautiful thing called his church. You know, when you get to heaven, there's going to be every ethnicity, every skin color, every language. That's what I love about this church is because when I look around, it doesn't look like me. And when you look around, hopefully it doesn't look like you because the church is meant to be a, a glimpse of heaven. Amen. Come on. Got to get back. I'm on my second close, okay? <laughs> I got one more close after this when every preacher gets three closes. I'm just kidding. But Jesus is sitting there, and not only was it racial, cultural, ethnicity division, but men were not supposed to talk with women that you weren't related to or weren't married to. It was just you weren't supposed to do that. And Jesus was just the best at busting down cultural and religious barriers. I love him. He's like, boom, he just busts in because there was always a person. So he's sitting there talking to this woman, and, and he says to her, he's like, you're thirsty, I can tell. And she's like, yeah, there's a well, and I'm getting water. He's like, no, you're not that kind of thirsty. You're thirsty for something else. It's like you've been looking in relationships. In fact, you're on your sixth uh, your fifth marriage and the guy you're with now you're not even married to Jesus reading her mail calling her out you know what I'm saying like well let's just get down to the real things you know he's like 
He's like, you're not thirsty for water. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. What is your life all about? You're looking for something more than what you have. That's why you're always thirsty. That's why you always feel empty. That's why it's never enough. That's why you're always trying moving to the next thing. And she, he, she's like, okay, Jesus is telling her about her past. I love that Jesus never just leaves us in the middle of our pain. You know, he, he's... Um, He's never judging her even in the middle of her pain. He's just loving her through it and pointing her to the solution. And can I just say, church, that's what we're called to do. We're not called to just look down on people in the middle of their pain. We're called to be those who see people in pain and bring the love of Jesus. Bring people closer to the Father. We're called to see those who are broken and bring healing to them. We're called to see those who are lonely and bring them into a family, to love people. That's what we're called to do, right? Jesus said to her, he says, you're not going to quench your thirst any other way. She's like, but I have something that will quench your thirst. And she's like, I want that. He's like, I know, I know. He's like, I'm the one you've been waiting for. He was the Messiah. He says, I have living water from you. And when you drink from it, you will never thirst again. She said, give me that water. She was looking for hope. She was looking for her place to belong. She was tired of being lonely. She was looking for it. And when Jesus tells her this in an instant, She's at a new beginning. So how was she going to respond? She could have responded with offense. Jesus just called her out, just told her all of her sins. She could have responded with, you know, with, with being upset. She could have responded with a high and mighty attitude. Well, no, that's not it. You're just off a little bit. What else you got? You know, she could have responded any number of ways, but she responded in a moment of refocusing her life and saying, this is what I want. It was so much of a drastic change in her life. She runs into her village and tells the entire village about Jesus and what he's done in her life. So much to the point, it says that everyone in the village began to come out of the village to meet Jesus. One woman changed an entire village. We don't live in villages, but we live in neighborhoods. Could it be that God divinely brought you to that neighborhood to change your neighborhood? Hmm, interesting sometimes. One person can change, you can change your neighborhood. You can change your neighborhood. God has called you to it. He's brought you there, planted you there. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just an awesome privilege. We're going to be doing door hangers this week. If you want us to come to your neighborhood or you want to lead a team in your neighborhood to go put door hangers on, invite people to church, let me know. We'll get you hooked up. It's a great way. But this woman was in the middle of a new beginning. Opportunity was knocking at her door. She's responding in this moment in faith. She's responding here. She could have responded with shame, but she's responding with joy and with passion in this new beginning moment. And what's happening is here, while the village is coming out to hear Jesus, Jesus, all of a sudden the disciples start coming out too. They're like, what's going on? Oh, gee, oh yeah, we're getting lunch for Jesus. So they come out to Jesus, the guys who had been with Jesus. They had had private leadership lessons with Jesus. They had seen him do miracles up close, personal. Jesus had used them as part of miracles. They had seen the power of God. They should have been the ones in the village. Twelve of them should have been the ones to turn that village upside down, but they didn't see it. They weren't focused on the things of God. Jesus was and had brought this woman who had changed the whole village. And they're like, they come out and they don't see what's happening. They don't see lost people coming to Christ. They don't see the opportunity. They're like, Jesus, I brought you Chick-fil-A, but they were out of Polynesian, so I got you barbecue. What's happening, Jesus? And Jesus, I love it. In this moment, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, John chapter 4, verse 35. 
He's like, guys, I don't want you to miss it. I need you to get refocused on what's happening in this moment of what I want to do. He says, don't you have a saying? It's four months until the harvest. One day we'll take care of that. It's not today. Good things are going to happen in the future. Somebody else is going to take care of it. Don't you have a saying? It's four months until the harvest. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. The harvest is ready. Don't say in four months we'll start inviting people to church. One day when I have more money, then I'll start giving. Don't say one more. One day when sports are over and we have more time, then we'll start serving more. We'll get more involved. Don't say when, when we have our own building, things will get better. Or if we were just back at the team center and we didn't have to do all this setup and tear down, then things were so much better. Don't say one day, no, the harvest is ready. The harvest is now. God has called us to this place and I I believe that God has been orchestrating things divinely by his purpose over these last seven and a half years of our church to bring us to this moment of new beginnings as a church because the harvest is ready. We think the pandemic has been about shutting things down or whatever. I believe it's been a, a priming of the pump for revival. God has brought us to the season. We might not be in a, our permanent building. We might have to take our stuff with us at the end of service next week. Come on, somebody. But right now, we're heading into a divinely orchestrated new beginning that God has brought us to. So I'm not going to just wish for a different future and idolize something that I don't have at the cost of what God has brought before us at this moment. This is a highly valued moment. There's a difference between planning for the future and idolizing a preferred future. I can still plan for what God is going to do and save resources and all that while maximizing the season God has brought me into. Come on, somebody. So let's stop acting like we've got the rest of our lives to start living for Jesus. Let's stop acting like we've got tomorrow to make, you know, oh, then I'll start doing something. No, you've got today. You are not promised tomorrow. You have right now. So why don't we live for Jesus now? Why don't we give him all now? Why don't we go all out in this moment? Stop waiting for the harvest one day. This is the moment. Don't, you don't need a PhD in childhood development to serve in Victory Kids. You just got to show up. You know, you don't. We don't need everything to be perfect and ideal to make a huge difference in this world for God. This is our moment. This is our moment. Let's get to our feet today. I believe God wants to use us in this house he wants to use people who are surrendered, who say, God, whatever you want to do through my life to cause a demonstration of the gospel of Jesus to take place. Because when the gospel is demonstrated, when it's put into action, it causes people to recognize the goodness of God and be drawn to him, which sparks revival. So, Lord, we just thank you in this place right now that you're doing something new in us today. I thank you, God, so much for the new beginnings, not just not just for our church, but the new beginnings you're bringing to each and every one of our lives. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.